0: Episode 35, I'm happy to present a cross-post from the Sports Nerds podcast. Alex and I were guests on their show uh, with hosts Samuel J. and Brian Schrader, and they have a really cool podcast where, like us, it's a couple of geekier guys doing a high-quality take on sports, and they're more general interest than us. So if you like what the kind of podcasting that we do about the Detroit Pistons and are hungry for more of that kind of stuff for all of sports... I think you'll like them. They've had some really cool guests recently besides us, including the guy who started all of the sports reference sites, including the one we love the most, the com. So anyway, without further ado, give a listen to this episode where we get to talking about all kinds of stuff, including podcasting, uh, recent NBA trades, and other stuff. So check it out.
1: You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. I am Dr. Samuel J. and I am Dr. Brian Trader, and this is Sports Nerds. I like this. <laughs> Hi, Brian.
2: We're back. Hey, what's up? Hey, you're back from France. Back from France.
1: Uh huh. You you caused this one week of uh, missing a podcast. So it was worth it. Ho- I'd do it
2: again. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Did I you did. see Neymar? No. I did buy a PSG jersey uh, t-shirt, but it was too small. French sizes, apparently, are not the same. And, and you went to wear Michel Foucault's corpse rots. By correct? accident, I did. No, no, no. It's not his grave. It's just like a garden named after him. Okay. But it was pretty sweet. Pretty happy accident. That's, well, I'm
1: glad you're back. Uh, Brian, uh, we have a big big show today. We have the Rosane brothers. Carl and Alex, hello, Long gentlemen. Long promised
2: crossover app. Good morning.
1: How are we doing? Not bad. Okay, who's who? Can you introduce yourselves to, to our, you know, millions of
3: followers? Well, go ahead, Carl. Oh, yeah, I'm Carl. I'm the younger of the Brosane. We, we
4: and uh, I'm Alex Rosane. We both uh, live in Ann Arbor. We've been talking uh, NBA together for years and years, and uh, one day Carl decided, you know, we should record this. Uh, our friends might be interested. Yeah, actually, the, the first three episodes I was
3: recording, he didn't realize it. So, uh... I, I... <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: uh, you know, <laughs> so hopefully uh, there was nothing incriminating. Exactly. So, so gents, uh, can you to make you know,
4: America great again, guys?
1: Yeah. <laughs> MAGA MAGA hashtag MAGA. So how can people find the podcast? Tell us a little bit about it before, uh, you know, we get into the whole podcasting experience. Tell, tell the people
3: what, where do we go to get it? Well, actually, if you, if you just Google Detroit Pistons podcast, uh, apparently the, the, that is such a niche market that we're like within the first two pages of Google results, and uh we're at brosane.com dot ncom and we're on itunes and we have like an rss feed so you can if you search for us in most podcast apps you'll find us
1: okay just like that gentlemen fantastic and what do you so i mean do you guys do anything fun for real jobs or is this just your real job your professional podcasting.
3: um i I think our, our families would be in Pretty poor shape if this was our professional job right now, but so, yeah, like you guys, I think we both have kind of uh, maybe geekier backgrounds. I mean, I'm a I work in a lab doing uh, computer vision research at, Mich- at University of Michigan related to self-driving cars. Okay,
4: rad. Yeah, and I um, I work as a data analytics director at a workforce uh, think tank in Southeast Michigan, trying to figure out how to connect the people to the jobs and the skills and that just has absolutely nothing to do with uh with basketball
1: well i mean that's that's pretty impressive though brian and i really don't do anything that makes the world a better place at least you guys have that check that mark uh that box checked because we don't (laughs) have that, brian um i think let's start with asking these gents uh podcasting what 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 Tell us about your experience, uh, Alex and Carl, with with podcasting. I know Brian and I—we've had our ups and downs. We've kind of found we've we've turned to Zencaster as this outlet that uh, seems to work really well for us. Um, what I mean, at, what have you learned? I suppose in in your time, kind of using the medium, especially to talk about sports.
3: Well, I mean, from my t- I just kind of hosting the podcast. Part of what was exciting to me is that, like, I'm a programmer by by trade, so I was like, oh, all I need to do is. Put these MP3 files up on a website and have this this XML file, and then we have a podcast. But we learned pretty quickly. Like if you go back and listen to our first couple episodes, the audio quality is pretty bad. And I, I think we've just kind of learned slowly but surely a couple key things, like having separate audio tracks so that you can mute one or the other uh, when you're when when I'm editing it later. I do it in GarageBand. Um, okay. And I use a program called SoundSoap to kind of scrub out like extraneous click sounds and, and noises. But really hmm. 90% of the quality improvement, which is modest, was just having like w- recording the conversation via a Skype plugin that will split out the audio tracks and then being able to kind of alternate muting the podcast when I quickly edit it just so that it's, it's, it doesn't have background noise when the other person is talking. Do you record in person? Uh, sometimes, but more often than not, we're actually doing it over Skype, and uh, okay. see if I can remember the name of the plugin in a second. So you record Please.
4: via Skype, and we, then we did the Skype first. Skype. We did several of the first few in person. Just you know, we were on a family vacation together, and thought we'd try to do it and stuff like that. Um, you know, I lived about a half hour away from Carl until recently. I just recently moved much closer, so we might be doing it in person a little more often. Um, but you know, who who knows. Uh, I guess another thing I've learned just aside from the technical aspect which is frankly more Carl's department I just you know I help promote it and I help pay for the some of the software um, is just you know doing it consistently is a lot harder than it sounds it's just like you can get up momentum and we, we've done a little under 40 episodes now and there are some big gaps in there where it's just like we didn't we didn't feel like we had anything to say we couldn't get it together our life got busy and I think that matters a lot for building listenership and having people look for, start to look for your episode to come out, um, get interaction and things like that. Now, as it happens, we're not trying to get, you know, become some sort of media moguls or, you know, dominate the world. We're just doing this for fun, so I kind of don't care. But it's just it's interesting to watch us in this process, watch ourselves. Just uh, sometimes we want to do it every two weeks, and sometimes we we have uh, a couple of months go by
1: no there seems to be something to be said here about consistency and i totally agree with you guys i mean it's uh i think brian and i have learned that you know you start dropping listeners if you're not consistent um so uh that's one of those things you gotta you gotta kind of definitely lean on i think the other thing is is kind of what we're doing here which is just cross podcast collaboration uh brian and i have definitely had the most success getting guests on who have large social networks that is you know helped us build our listenership i mean i think you know, when we had uh, Sean Foreman on, we gained about 20 consistent listeners. I think now we had Sage Rosenfels on a few weeks ago when we were up 15 more consistently li- or listen. Yeah, consistently getting 15 more listens. And so that's definitely the, one of the things that has, def- that has absolutely helped
2: us. Brian, do you have anything so, to add to that? So we expect the, the Brosane podcast crossover to bring us easily 100, 200 listeners. Just, I mean, day. I don't know why it shouldn't be 500. <laughs> 500, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know.
4: So, we may have oversold ourselves in getting on your podcast. <laughs> you guys. How, how many listeners do you guys get a week? Do you know? <clears throat> uh, yeah, actually,
3: I found it really interesting when I. It, it wasn't until like 20 episodes in that we finally uh, instrumented the podcast with, with uh, Blueberry stats, with podcast stats, so we actually know how many people really download the episode, not just like Google Analytics, which seems to be kind of worthless. So, we end up with about 120 unique downloads per episode of late. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. That's very good. What was it, blueberry? Yeah, it's like blueberry with like a missing vowel somewhere, so it sounds like a cool internet company, I guess.
2: Okay, <laughs> it's got a U with an OOM um out or whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think our, our our by far the most the best channel for us has been the the Detroit Pistons Reddit. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, I'm not sure, maybe that's just a good match for us, but, like, you know, we're a local span, We're a local sports fans podcast, so it's, like, the, the niche is pretty narrow, and I, I posted on Facebook, I, I tried spending, like, five bucks each time just to get, it seems like you just buy some, you end up buying someone to randomly like it, but I found that when I stopped doing that, it made zero difference, and really just posting it to Twitter and Facebook, uh, just so that people who happen to follow you can find out, but uh, on Reddit, that'll actually bring us some listeners, because there's people there every day who are really into it, and they'll... We've had some modest support among that community. So, how do
1: you do it on Reddit? Can you walk us through the process? Um, I know, I know the, I know the medium of Reddit, but uh, yeah. Just so, how do you post? Some, you just put a link up, and how's that's 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 that. a link. yeah.
3: I mean, you can share a link. I think some communities have policies about not people not promoting. So, I think ideally, you're kind of part of that community. So, I try to. I, I don't spend a lot of time there, but I do think that we share our opinions. Uh, especially around the time when we post podcasts enough that we don't feel like we're only using it to promote ourselves. Yeah. And, and also,
4: uh, let me just break in to say, I, I specifically asked the mods of that that subreddit, like, hey, we have this podcast, we think people would be interested, would it be all right if we post uh, the episodes on here? And they said yes. And so that was part of it as well, is the mods have close to absolute power mm-hmm. about what you know policies they have about that kind of thing. That makes sense.
3: Okay. Very how about you guys? Like, what's been your experience in trying to understand like your fan base and like measure listeners and stuff like that?
1: Well, um, the new like SoundCloud has, has released this kind of sub app. Uh, I think they did it last week, and um, let me just find it. So it's called SoundCloud Pulse, but you have to access it through smartphones. So that's one way I've been able to look because it'll break down you know where people are listening and how often they're listening and all of this stuff. So that's been the most valuable. Um, for figuring out, uh, you know, the important statistics. But Facebook has been big for us. Twitter, I think mostly just our kind of in-person social networks, though. I mean, we're both professors, so we have, you know, students who we can force to listen to our stuff (laughs) and tell people. Uh, um, But again, other people's social networks, you know, getting people on who have large followings and making sure, you know, getting them to retweet us uh, or to mention us. And so that's our go-to. I think we need to kind of, turn it up a little bit. And it sounds like you two have been able to do that. And so I think, you know, moving forward this, this next year, um, as the school year is starting, Brian and I definitely want to add several hundred listeners ideally. So we'll see. I don't so know. Yeah, the, the Reddit thread's guys, a great idea.
3: So for instance, when I, like I, I was listening to a couple of your episodes the last couple of weeks so. and, uh, and I, I, used like a podcaster app and I, I searched for you and, and downloaded it. So it's probably hitting some url that's hosting it would you guys be able to detect that i listen to it or does it have to be via soundcloud for you to know
1: um let me see so, well soundcloud is, the, is what hosts the rss feed right? oh, okay. so, that's what, so everything i think that soundcloud can, can basically tell us everything so i'm actually going to look when did you listen
3: uh i i i, I downloaded one of the episodes yesterday Okay. I just want to see if you, it'll pop Carl, up. They're fact checking you. you <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, yeah,
3: yeah. No, yeah I, I listened to the episode yesterday with uh, when you interviewed the um, basketball reference guy. Oh, okay, okay. So let me see. Um,
1: see if it's showing. Yeah.
4: Baseball I, reference is more what you were talking about. <laughs> <right>? Yeah. No, <laughs> Same there, dude. I,
1: I, no, there he is uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, yeah, I can see that, that, you, that you definitely listened. So SoundCloud will produce that data for us. Um, oh, good. Apparently we're very popular in Bondi, Australia, over the last, <laughs> the last 30 days. Wherever the hell that is and why, I don't know. But, uh, we'll take Australia. it. Shout out. Hello, Australia. Wow. Well, actually, no, I think that, because, uh, Metro used to have, a Metro State, where I'm a professor, they had a, uh, a kid who was a pretty decent, um, basketball player, and he played in Europe for a while, but he ends up, he ended up kind of going back to Australia. That's where he's from, um, uh, Mitch McCarran. And I think he's probably helped develop a following for us over there, just because Metro has quite the Australian connection, and then him him having success as a professional basketball player over there. I mean, they just won the Asia Cup, so um, that's probably helping our cause a little bit. I don't know why uh, other people in like Ireland are listening to us, but uh, <laughs> hey, it could, yeah, be Colin everywhere. It could be Callum McGregor. You could be Colin McGregor. I don't know.
4: This you is can, something that it's it's interesting, also just how. We have such a, a, a relatively narrow potential audience. You know, we the, the sports team that serves a metro area of four million people, and then basketball is probably like the third or fourth most popular major sport here. Actually, probably sixth if you count college sports. So, um, you, you know, w- w- when I tell people, you know, your barber, your you know people around that you are, Pistons are your main team in the area, they're like, oh, really? Huh. And, and and then they would talk about college basketball or the Red Wings or, or something like that, uh, or they'll just the, the the one thing they'll know will be like yeah they they're kind of mediocre right now right and then that's like the the fact they know so uh, whereas you guys I mean you have such a breadth of topics and it's it's more uh, a high quality take on general interest sports you know just we'll talk about any you seem to talk about anything that's interesting uh, about sports. So, I mean, I wonder if, we, I wonder if those call for different promotion strategies. I don't know.
1: Yeah, That's a good question. Yeah, because it's almost like, you know, you all have a very, like you said, a niche audience and you can um, definitely take advantage of that. So, yeah, I don't know. What the, I guess, I don't know, Brian, one of these days we're going to have to figure it out and, and talk about it. We've but, had, uh, definitely had a
2: shotgun approach where we've tried just about everything. So, Yes. And it's 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 not working
1: as well as we want because ideally we want to quit our jobs and make millions of dollars doing this. He does. Sam so does will. want
2: to be a media mogul. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know,
4: it's funny how podcasts have really proliferated. Just everyone who's famous now is under a lot of pressure to just have a podcast, just talk on the mic because apparently, just you can just sell ads. Uh, there's just a robust ad network, and they're all. I hear the same ads on all the different podcasts I listen to, or a uh, you know, cross section. So yeah. I, you know I guess the, there must be some level where you have to reach where suddenly the ad networks are interested in you, and I don't know it, it's it's interesting we 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 really have not even touched that we we're we're not trying to make money off of this that takes the pressure off in terms of like, oh did we say something that was like violating a copyright or something, but mostly it's just like I mean come on, we have like a few dozen listeners on 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 you know every so often, so we kind of don't care about that but have you Have you thought about it? Have you talked to people about how do you get plugged into those ad networks where you start selling, you know, razors and internet pants services or whatever?
1: I talked to a guy, uh, Kumanyika, who Brian and I had on a year ago. Maybe he was a professor at Clemson. Now he's a professor at Rutgers, but he's like a uh, kind of social activist and he's really into the podcast game. And so I was, we were asking him and he said, it's about 25,000 listens a week is what you need in order to start getting advertisers. Uh, interested in you, which is that's just a huge number. I don't, I wouldn't even know how to get to that. So, right. so you,
4: you, it helps to just start out being a famous person. Can just, <laughs> yes. Uh, you have, uh, 600,000 Twitter followers, a million Twitter followers, and some small percentage of them listen, and boom, you're, you're advertiser territory.
1: I think so. It takes that. I listened to this podcast called, um, uh, uh, shit, what the hell? Now I, now I totally forgot it. Uh, very bad. No, hold on one second. I'm gonna try to find it. Sorry, I should have been more prepared. Um, see, it's that uh, very bad wizards, and it's a really good podcast. And I'm sure they have, you know, thousands of listens a week because Sam Harris had them on his pet podcast a couple weeks ago. But um, they have no advertising whatsoever, and so this is that's a podcast that I guarantee they have at least ten thousand downloads a week, and they still don't have advertising. And so it must be something significant to get you know uh, advertisers' interest. Absolutely,
4: so. I wonder I mean, too. I kind of don't care about like pretending like I use a certain uh, razor or I don't know. Anyway, it's I kind of don't feel like dealing with that. But the, that's my uh, the, I don't know. I have another job, so the, <laughs> I'm yeah, happy to just uh, talk basketball and have some fun. The,
3: the one <laughs> scenario I can imagine that would be really satisfying is that for some reason we we get good enough at this that the, the really hardcore Pistons fans like all really like us. Like that would be satisfying. Um, I, I don't think we're even close to there yet. But I do think that we kind of position ourselves as as like the Zach Lowe's of the Detroit Pistons coverage. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Zach Lowe, but he's kind of like our – we call him the patron saint of our podcast because he's like so good and so fair-minded and and like just seems to like be able to cover every individual NBA market like better than the the local coverage somehow.
4: ESPN, formerly Grantland.com guy.
1: Oh, okay, okay, familiar. And, and he's cool.
4: now occasionally on this ESPN daytime show, The Jump, where they talk with Rachel Nichols, where they talk about yeah. basketball.
1: Oh, that's got to help you guys a ton. That's awesome.
4: No, no, I, you... I mean, no, no, no. We're not saying we have any like connection with him. We're saying like we're he's like our patron saint, uh, but he doesn't know about us. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Well, you can you
4: can any, like, you, way.
2: you can take a page out of Sam's book, uh, which is just drop him an email. He might say yes.
1: Yeah, you got to go. You got to <laughs> take the chance, right? occasionally send the email. So, uh, you know, we're already 17 minutes in here, gents. When we need your expertise, so tell us uh, first off, what's happening with this uh, Kyrie Irving trade to the Celtics? Because it seems to have stalled a little bit. Can you explain the deets?
4: yeah i mean it first of all it was shocking that two eastern conference finalists uh would make a big trade with each other of major pieces um and uh you know tr- trading a, an all nba point guard in isaiah thomas and and some valuable draft picks and another valuable player uh for kyrie irving former number one overall pick the clear number two guy on this championship cleveland team and uh this, that was shocking and then there's a you know Isaiah Thomas had a hip injury in the in the playoffs and there's talk of his physical after physical examinations he Cleveland's thinking maybe they would need more compensation maybe they have second thoughts and from from outside th- this comes up all the time in following the NBA from outside you have no idea what the actual sources are and what their agendas are I don't know if I don't follow any other sports closely enough to know whether this is the case, but in basketball, it's every single story is sourced from sources and, or multiple sources or sources close to. And it's, it's, and that's treated as authoritative. I mean, you'll have a sources say this, and then another reporter will say sources I've talked to refute that. And it, and then people just talk about it like it's true. So, We don't know what the nature of these second thoughts are by Cleveland. We don't know whether they actually found anything or whether they just found an an opportunity to maybe just extract a little more in the trade. Or maybe his hip really is bad and um, the trade really is going to fall through. And that's going to be awkward for everybody because it was shocking to have this really popular player, Isaiah Thomas, traded from Boston. You know, he, he... Played the day after his sister tragically died in a car accident during the playoffs. Uh, the, the fans really love him, and then they just traded him. And then if this falls through, he has to come back and be like, uh, hi, guys. So uh, th- that's what I got on that.
1: Why do you think wh- – well, I guess, I mean, can we walk this back a little bit and tell me why, why does Kyrie not want to play with LeBron? Because I think that's the larger question for our podcast that we want to get to. Um, and, and you guys would know, the, you know better than anybody else. You get people like Brian who hate LeBron, and I'm a LeBron supporter. And so, I mean, is, it, he's, is he just that difficult to play with, or is it one of those things where Kyrie just wants to be a superstar on his own?
3: The, the way I would look at it, from what you know, just synthesizing what I've listened to a lot of NBA podcasts and thinking about it myself, is that um, he's probably done, he's reached the, the, the height of what is possible playing alongside LeBron James. I personally don't think that he has any issues with LeBron James personally. But my guess is that, hey, we, we, won, if we won the championship together. It's unlikely we will again, given that the Golden State is just so ridiculously good in the West. And so the, the next thing for him in his career would be to be in a situation where he's not underneath, he's not kind of under the shadow of maybe the, a top three NBA player of all time. And, and he can just play basketball with less distraction and just have a different uh, kind of a second chapter of his career. Okay.
4: I, I, mean, I think that's. You know, that's one of the leading contenders for what's happening, and that's what some people are saying, what a lot of people are saying. But we have to, again, realize that when we're talking about PR issues like this, we're we're away from basketball and we're towards um, almost closer to politics or, you know, what PR stuff that um, celebrities have to worry about. Mm -hmm. So this is the narrative that that, uh, they're trying to do. You know, there's rumors that LeBron is the one who leaked Kyrie asking for the trade and there are political implications for that in terms of, you know, do the fans view, you know, LeBron or Kyrie as the villain. So another contender for what might be going on is that LeBron is purposely uh, playing his cards close to his chest about whether he's going to stay in Cleveland after this year. He has one year left on his deal and he has not said anything about committing to coming back. And um, there, then there are all these rumors about he's definitely going to play for the L.A. Lakers next year because they have a young core, and LeBron has a lot of business interests that are going to serve him post-NBA career. And so, you know, just looking at it rationally from Kyrie's point of view, you want to beat LeBron out the door. You want to be the—you uh, you don't want to be the, the captain of a ship that's sinking. After LeBron leaves, they—they had pushed in all their chips and traded all their draft picks to to be as good as they could possibly be on the court the last couple of years and they were mortgaging the future and then Kyrie just might have looked at the situation and thought well the future has arrived and then I'm going to be on this team with no other young talent and no draft picks uh, why don't I just why don't I just get out first that I haven't heard any reporting saying that that is his motivation but again uh, what that means is I haven't heard any people who, you know, these anonymous sources who it serves their agenda to have that be the narrative that's out there. I don't want to sound like a Noam Chomsky or something like, oh, the, you know, the, the media is manufacturing these narratives. But we, we don't know what's actually happening. What we know is what different camps want to leak to the media and control how we look at this. So I just I just look at that and step back and think, eh, I, I don't know what, what's really in anybody's head Um there's a lot of reasons for Kyrie to leave. He wants his own team. His legacy is secure in terms of having a ring. Now he can just go have fun. Or maybe he just looked at looked at the Cavs roster rationally and looked at you know two years from now, what team do I want to be on? Probably not the one that traded all their draft picks over the past few years and has no young players.
1: I guess I hadn't thought about it being this kind of long. It's like playing the long game, and that does make the whole decision sound really smart. You have to fi- excuse me. You have to figure that. But any team in the West is going to have an impossible time beating the Warriors, at least for the next two to three years. And so uh, how
4: old is Kyrie? I think he's only like 25. Yeah, he's a young dude.
1: Okay, so by the, yeah, so he'd be in his prime by the time that Warrior kind of wave uh, receded a little bit.
2: So that'd be hmm, it's an interesting take for sure.
3: I'm curious, Brian, what's uh, what's your trouble with LeBron?
2: Oh, yeah, Sam just likes to give me a hard time. I don't hate LeBron. I just – he, he's not the GOAT. You know, if he's – he, that's thats all I ever said was you can't be the greatest there ever was and lose in the finals four times or whatever he's done so far. If he was, you know, the greatest, then his record would reflect that. He's a great he's – a, he's, he's a great basketball player. He's a top five basketball player, no doubt. He's just not, you know, he's just not, not, not the greatest. That's it.
4: Bill gotcha. Simmons has taken to calling him the third greatest player of all time. just He's just throwing that out there, asserting it. Um he, you know, he wrote a big book, the book of basketball. That's might literally be a thousand pages. Uh, it, it's very thick. Uh, you know, five or six years ago, that the second half of it is just ranking players all time, the p- top like few hundred. Wow. Um, uh, you know, I, I've got my own system. Thinking, I, I, I think he's probably, uh, you know, three, four, or five, depending on how you look at it. Uh, he's, he's amazing. But uh, yeah, losing in the finals, it, it just all depends on do you, do you count. Uh, Leg- heroic legacy, or do you count production? How do you count the regular season versus playoffs? Uh, the, P- the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, is really uh, uh, a test case for that. He- his regular season production was only one or two seasons was it great, and then he had these, you know, playoffs and NBA Finals heroics, and that cements his legacy. And uh, it really depends on what you're looking for in a player. Anyway, it's uh, it's a, th- that's an interesting topic in itself: is how do you how do you evaluate a player's legacy? Yeah, uh, LeBron's up there no matter how you slice it, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I it, would agree with it, that. It, he's, he's the greatest combination of size and athleticism, I think. It, it's hard to argue about that. I've never seen a, a, a guy with quite his size move the way that he does. I mean, he can legitimately play one through five. That's amazing. But, um, I mean, your point is a good one. Is it is it regular season versus is it, you know, playoff heroics? Sam and I have talked about this before that – if you look at sports in other countries, other cultures, soccer in Europe, for example, winning the regular season is what it's all about, right? If you're playing in the you know English Premier League soccer, there's no postseason; it's winning the regular season. That's just not what it is in American sports. It's all about the tournament at the end at the end of the season, um, and and sometimes that means you got to get lucky, and sometimes that means you've got to get hot uh, to, to win those championships. But I, I think. We, we can kind of say oh if we look at these different metrics regular season versus postseason maybe LeBron's higher or lower on that Mount Rushmore sort of sort of list but I think it's it's hard to argue that uh, generally speaking people don't prioritize playoff heroics wins championships etc over kind of career production I don't know that's my take on it no it makes it
1: makes sense um uh, I don't know. Well,
4: yeah one into, going back to media narratives. I don't. I, I don't spend most of my time talking about media narratives, but I guess today's the day. <laughs> uh, you know, we we had this uh, discussion at least with basketball over the past decade. It's evolving, where you know people would say, you know, Charles Barkley is the best player never to win a ring, and then like, oh, that really tarnishes his legacy. He shouldn't even be in the conversation among the top one. It's all about rings, 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 rings. You could make a living as a pundit on ESPN having that take all the time and then now players are looking at that and saying okay if that's if that's what it's about i'm gonna just take less money and go to a super team and make damn sure i win a ring and then then now there's a bunch of gnashing of teeth and rending of garments about the super teams and it's not competitive and why don't players want to take a team on their own on their own back and it's like they're just responding to the incentives that you laid out there you guys in the media uh the, the, do are rings everything or aren't they? And if they are, you should have no problem with what Kevin Durant did, for example, going to the Golden State Warriors.
2: Yeah, and and, and LeBron weighed it. in on this recently, right? Just two or three days ago, he had a long series of tweets um, about fans being upset about you know Kyrie leaving or about um, you know the, basically this this super trade, where his argument was kind of like there's a double standard on on the on the part of fans they get mad when people leave or opt out or whatever but they also sort of um don't don't have to maintain kind of uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for here is here is uh like they don't have to if, if if a player is no good and they get traded or something or or they just get cut by a team then then fans don't have any responsibility to, to support those players. Does that make sense? So there's a, there's a double standard where, where fans kind of demand loyalty on the part of players to them, but, but there's no loyalty on the part of fans. If players, you know, have a bad season or, or, or something like that. And so his argument kind of overall was respect kind of the business decisions that people have to make. Uh, and so it was kind of pushing back against this anti super team sort of narrative that, that you were just kind of talking about, Alex. And and it's interesting because he was sort of taking shots at Golden State for being a super team and, and kind of splitting hairs about how he didn't leave Miami for a super team in Cleveland and there's something different about what he did than what Kevin Durant did. So I think he made a good point on Twitter, but it raises like a question of, of that tension sort of all the time that you were just describing.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with what LeBron said about why shouldn't players be able to make the same kind of business decisions that teams make. I also think that every time a player does anything, um, in in order to kind of stir up controversy, there's going to be some segment of fans who react negatively, and that can kind of create some debate to have on SportsCenter and things like that. And, like, for instance, like, when, you know, when um, Isaiah Thomas got traded, there was a couple of idiot fans who burned his jersey on YouTube, and they probably, like, are very far from representative of what the overall fan base thought, but... Someone did that, and then that gave like. Then LeBron actually addressed that directly, and that that created a whole media cycle. But I, I, it's not like people are doing like uh, rigorous sampling of fans' opinions on every time something happens, either.
4: And I think this. I think this goes back to just like what what are sports for? And they're for a lot of different things. You can look at it from a lot of different perspectives. They're an entertainment business. They're a way to spend your time. Uh, spend a little money to entertain yourself. Uh, it's a a business for the players and the owners, and there's tension there between winning and making money. But it's also, I mean, part of why we care about championships and, you know, uh, did a guy do well when he was on national TV? Did a guy do well at Madison Square Garden? Uh, It's because sports are also just part of our, you know, culture's myth-making. And, you know, we we don't tell epic battle stories around the fire anymore, but we have that part of our brain that made us do that. And we just like having stuff to talk about where somebody did something awesome and and won the day. And that's kind of what, when it comes down to it, what sports is for for a lot of people. And so it, it makes perfect sense that, that we only care about the guy hit the big shot. Oh, he, he's clutch. He did it when it matters. And, oh, he doesn't have any rings, so who cares? You know, this guy who fought against the Romans was a very efficient fighter, and, you know, the number of kills per sword strokes was very high. But, like, whatever, <laughs> like the Romans... Effing one, um, And they're the ones we write history about. So uh, th- that's part of how I look at it, too.
1: But don't you think that there's kind of a, an issue in in the dissonance between, um, you know, the fact that we, we can ha- we understand how sports actually happen? But yet the, the, the vast majority of sports consumers do not, and I'm not calling people dumb or ignorant or anything like that. I just think, you know, there's a difference between the myth and the stories that we tell within cultures to kind of sustain our existence. And now we've moved into this, uh, this moment where the myths and the stories uh, are tied very, very significantly to, to economics. Uh, There's way more kind of uh, negative and positive, I guess, outcomes that can come from this stuff. I mean, think about how a town like Arlington, Texas, is affected by uh, the building of Jerry World. I guess... The sports just have these larger kind of ramifications now than maybe they did 150 years ago, or when different kinds of narrative, creative uh, narrative creation kind of sto- uh, uh, outlets uh, were, were around. Sports just serve a different purpose now, and maybe we need to recognize that a little more. And I could be wrong. I don't know. I just think that's the issue. That's why we even have we would why we would even have this show is to begin to point this stuff out because sports are just a huge money making institution now, and I don't think a lot of people realize that.
3: Yeah, that's really interesting. And and that reminds me also of like, I have some friends who love college sports and they refuse to watch uh, professional sports because they feel like, because to them, that means that they're kind of really into the pureness of sports. But then you have people like um, the Moneyball guy. Uh, uh, Help me out here, guys. Nate Silver. Yeah, no, no. Moneyball. Bill James. Billy Bean. Oh no, the guy who wrote the book, Moneyball. Bill James. Michael, Michael Lewis. Oh, Michael oh, there he yeah. <laughs> So, and he's he's made really good takedowns about how how it's actually terrible how college athletes don't get paid because you have a lot of like you know you have a lot of really talented college players who don't quite make professional sports, but they generate millions and millions of dollars for their for their institutions. And I live in Ann Arbor, you know, no more is that the case than like the Michigan football team. Uh, and and then those guys they get a scholarship uh which is probably like five percent of the value they derive for their team so is, is that fair and the, but then the fans love it because they, to them it's a pure hey they're just fighting for their their alma mater and uh and there's no none of this like business leaking into things.
1: Oh, so you think that? Oh, okay. So the purity of college sports. okay well, so I yeah.
3: So I think it's interesting that people like college sports because they feel like it's more pure and not kind of, uh, you know, tarnished by the business interest. But in reality, there the business is always there, and in that case, you're just allowing it so that the coaches can make you know five million dollars a year while the players get a you know a scholarship worth a couple hundred thousand dollars.
2: I think that's a that's a good way to to look at it. You could explain that to players. You know, like yeah you 're not going to make any money and we 're making money off of your off of your hard effort um, but we 're just protecting you from you know this the evils of money
1: <laughs> now, have you guys do you have any issues watching um professional football these days because I'm, I, I i'm gonna, i guess I should uh preface this with i 'm having a really hard time participating in fantasy football this year and brian i haven 't told you this, but I just think um, it's becoming harder and harder for me to watch uh, uh nFL knowing. Just the business of it, but also the concussions, all of this stuff, and it may sound really naive, but I think um, I'm just getting to the point where it's it's difficult for me um, to make to, to actually do it.
2: Does that mean uh, you're not I, playing I, in my I, league?
1: Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm playing in the league. No, I am, but I'm just saying it's, it's, it's difficult <laughs> too.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, I, I've thought about that. I think the biggest issue that that faces me in watching NFL is the fact that I live in Detroit and the Lions have been terrible for about a decade. But um, no, but that that that. Um, that issue does feel like um, a like a real scandal in kind of people who are sacrificing their bodies, and maybe the league isn't being fully honest to, to the degree to which that's true. And like, can you just watch these guys kind of destroy themselves to some degree for your entertainment?
4: I, in direct answer to your question, Sam, yes, I, I am having trouble. Uh, I had decided to cut down to one sport more or less, except for the Super Bowl or something, you know, when when my kids were really young, just in terms of what I had time for what my priorities were. Uh, So I I ride for the Pistons and that's it, basically. But I think, you know, aside from, you know, the ethics of it and, like, what, W- whether it's okay to, to be entertained by watching these people do it, but, but on the other hand, they're doing it voluntarily. On the other other hand, you know, th- you can go forever. Aside from all that, I just it just affects how I feel about it when I'm watching it. You know, it's like when I was younger and didn't really know about this stuff, the big hits were exciting, and now you see a big a big hit that would have been a top play before, and now it's like, oh, geez, I wonder if that's going to affect that guy's like long term ability to function. Yeah. And yeah. It just doesn't feel as good to watch.
1: Do you think we're rarities in that, or is the rest of the country are, are we are we uh, are we going to experience this kind of exodus? Just, I mean, I'm asking. I know these are just opinions, but I just wonder what you guys think. You're smart dudes.
4: I feel like there's a real threat to football there because it would be a, a very slow build. at all it's super culturally important in a lot of communities, even just high school football in Texas and everything. Uh, from what I see in the media, you know, I haven't I haven't been to Texas, but. And and so it's it's, kind of like that out here in
2: Michigan too, Alex, right?
4: I I think so. I don't know. I went to small schools that didn't have a football team, so I'm not the guy to ask, but yes, I mean, people love high school football. Uh, Obviously people love college football as evidenced by football Saturdays in Ann Arbor here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I like watching it too. um, Except when I'm thinking about this, but, but the, the real threat to it is, is a slow build where, just every every so often, every year fewer people kind of let their kids do it, um, and you know a few more kids who could play multiple sports because they're that kind of athlete end up choosing a different sport, and then it becomes you know c- slowly becomes less culturally important and blah blah blah. I mean it, it might take half a century uh, to to really be a, a threat to the viability of pro football um, but to the have to fact supply that athletes- players
1: the fact that professional players football players are not letting their kids play that's just to me what is super significant right it's like um the one of the comparable things that maybe listeners would appreciate is the fact that steve jobs limited his kids use of of uh, apple technologies that's the same kind of thing right like he knew what was going to happen drew Brees understands what's going to happen right kurt warner understands what's going to happen he's limiting they've limited their kids ability to play these games And if that's happening with these people who do it professionally, then we have to kind of consider what we're going to allow our kids to do. I don't know. It's just, but what's interesting about college football, you guys bring up, right? There's, and and Brian and I have talked about this in our research, uh, the idea of conviction in a lot of ways, right? Like conviction almost trumps that stereotypical rational understanding of the sport. And so with college sports, it's much harder for me to not watch Iowa college football because I love Iowa football so much. Um, even though I can stop, you know, playing fantasy football, I can limit how many, how many NFL games I watch. I would never stop watching Iowa football, and the violence that's happening at that level is just as significant at the prof- uh, as is um, at the professional level. But there's something emotional that's tied to that, and it's making very, very hard. So I wonder what, how does I wonder how we'll overcome that maybe down the road, and if it's even if it's even possible.
4: Well, people can can find reasons to support. Something that they that their heart wants to support, you know so in some ways the, the purpose of the human intellect is to c- convince other people that what your gut wants is is, is what 's best for everybody you know so if, if, if you feel like watching Iowa football, you know you're, in, in your heart it 's going to be really hard for your brain rational brain to overcome that or making you know ethical arguments or arguing from logic. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's what's going to keep football alive for a long, long time because people love it. And maybe there will maybe be some technical fixes. I mean, we started doing all these helmets and pads and stuff uh, to protect the players, but now we're realizing that there's a perverse effect here where you might save um, cuts and bruises and broken collarbones and stuff like that with those pads, but then you're increasing the violence of the collision and having the brain rattle around inside the skull. You know, maybe we'll go back to what, you know, there's this this famous picture of Gerald Ford, uh, President Gerald Ford, when he was a U of M uh, football player. And, he, you know, he's just, the, they're just, the, it's the leather helmets and not much shoulder pads era. If you, if we go, if maybe we could do something like go back to that and maybe it would be, you can get to some level that where it's violent, but the brain is not what's taking the biggest brunt. And, and we just have more. It's more like rugby, where people get broken noses and whatnot. And you know, I don't know if rugby players have uh, traumatic, chronic traumatic encephalitis. Is that what it? So, uh, the, people will explore all avenues like that to keep it alive because they want to. Because because like, if you if you don't pay attention to what's happened to people's brains, football is awesome. I mean, I used to be really into it. I you know, watching it and playing Madden to simulate different things and you know, learning about it that way, reading a lot about it. Um, I, have fallen off again, mostly cause just time issues, but I have trouble going back to it cause of the brain uh, trauma thing.
1: There you go, folks. Um, gents, I will, we do need to kind of close up shop here just cause we've been in, uh, the recording for a while and we like to keep it about 30, 40 minutes. Do we have any closing comments? Brian, Carl, Alex,
2: anybody? This was, this was awesome. You guys are some smart dudes. That's the sign of a good podcast is when you want to keep talking. And I know, no, we have to do 24 questions. <laughs> yes,
1: I think we need to do this again soon if you guys are okay with it,
3: yeah, this was fun um, i I'm sorry you didn't get to talk about the the boxing match. We could definitely that's a sign that we were uh, blabbing too much perhaps so.
1: it's okay, it's okay we can it's it's over it's done. Brian and I both watched illegally, so um,
3: did you guys watch it Carl Alex? I did find myself i was i was I was supposed to go to bed and then I saw it coming up and everyone was talking about it, so I found myself. Uh, I hope I'm not going to go to prison or anything, but I found some <laughs> terrible stream where it was like cutting out every five seconds, and I was, is it like, watching it in, like circa 2005 quality video. So I, yeah. I did kind of watch it, yeah, but it was it was not a great experience because I didn't pony up for it. Yeah, that's okay. I,
4: I, I watched it in the in the most modern way possible, is uh, on Twitter. what so yeah, people watch. are saying about it.
1: Yep. Yeah. They actually, uh, Brian and I watched on Periscope. People
3: were live streaming via Periscope on Twitter. Oh, that that would have been smart. I was on some like site where my my ad blocker was like working over overtime. Yes. (laughs) yes.
1: Oh, fantastic. Well, uh, do you guys? How about one more plug for the podcast, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll get out of here.
3: Yeah. So go into your favorite podcast app and search for Pistons Podcast. You'll find us, the Brozane Detroit Pistons Podcast.
1: Okay, there you go, folks. And, of course, you can find Brian and I uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search for Sports Nerds. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, at underscore Sports Nerds. And then Brian is uh, Brian Joe Schrader. And I am Samuel underscore M underscore J-A-Y. Brozanes, thank you. Carl, Alex, you guys are fantastic. Brian, thanks thanks for, uh, yeah. Um, You gents, we'll do this again in the future, and you have a great day. Thanks
4: this was fun. Bye. I like this game